Hello, everyone. I'm Jerry Savelle. Thank you for joining me today. We are talking about God will not allow you to fail. That's our theme this week. And those of you that were here last week or you joined us last week, you remember we began that message and I took you into a live service there at Heritage Faith Christian Center, the church here in Crowley, Texas that I founded a number of years ago where I was preaching this message. And today is part two. Now, let me read a scripture to you from Psalm 34, verse 19. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Now, if I stop reading right there, you're going to identify with the wrong thing. But I'm not going to stop reading there because it's not complete. The next word is but. But's a conjunction. That means he's not through talking. Don't stop reading. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them from them all. So that tells me that God is not going to allow us to fail. I want you to hang on to that thought. I want you to hang on to that, that principle as we take you into this service right now where I'm continuing to talk about this. And even when we leave the air today, I want you to decree several times all throughout the day, God is not going to allow me to fail. Watch now and I'll be back in just a few moments. I think one of the greatest lessons God ever gave me, besides all the rest, <laughs> was when he taught me not to allow Satan to steal my joy. Oh, what a lesson that was. We were having a board meeting at our uh, at the ministry. This was back in 1981. All of my board of directors had come in from all over the country, and, and then uh, we had a uh, a meal together and they all came to the house and, and we spent a lot of time fellowshipping and, and then some of them were staying in our home, others were in hotels. So we didn't get to bed that night till really late. And I had to leave the next morning to fly to Tulsa to be at Ramah and preach for Brother Hagin. And so, I don't know, man, it was about one o'clock in the morning when I finally got to bed and I knew I had to leave at about seven the next morning. I laid my head on that pillow and all of a sudden I heard these words. If Satan can't steal your joy, he can't keep your goods. I said, not now, Lord, I'm tired. <laughs> if Satan can't steal your joy, he can't keep your goods. I said, Lord, I got to leave early in the morning. If Satan can't steal your joy, he can't keep your goods. I said, okay. I got up and Carolyn said, where are you going? I said, I got to go to my study. God just said something to me and I got to pray it out. Well, man, he taught me on the force of joy and how together, coupled together with your faith is a unbeatable team. When you have faith and joy, you cannot be defeated. And particularly when you will not allow Satan to steal your joy. And boy, what a valuable lesson it was. I preached it that next morning at Ramah uh, the first time I'd ever preached it. And then after that, I preached it uh, in Brother Copeland's Believers Convention in Charlotte, North Carolina. Preached on it for a whole week. And man, what a powerful meeting that was. And I took all those messages and then uh, had them transcribed and turned it into a book with the same title of Satan Can't Keep You. Uh, if Satan can't steal your joy, it can't keep your goods. And that book has gone around the world, been translated in I don't know how many languages. It's still one of my best-selling books, and I wrote it in 1981. Yeah. 
Amen. And everywhere I go, people talk about if Satan can't steal your joy. It made such an impact on the body of Christ all over the world. Carolyn and I went to uh, Singapore one time and uh, our first time to go to Singapore. This is back years ago. And we arrived at the airport in the wee hours of the morning or late that night, one or the other. And I, don't, I didn't know who was going to pick us up. And back then is when people could come to the gate and meet you at the gate. And we're walking down the terminal and I don't know who's going to meet us. I just was told that somebody will be there to drive us to our hotel. And there was two young men coming toward us with this big smile on their face. And I told Carol, I said, that could be our drivers. I'm not sure, but it sure looks like they recognize us. And when they got up to us, they didn't say, hello, Brother Jerry. Hello, Sister Carolyn. Good to see you. We're so glad you're here. First thing they said was, oh, Satan can't steal your joy. Can't keep your goods. <laughs> I said, these are our drivers. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. So God said, I have seen the affliction of my people. I will bring you up out of the affliction. And then Deuteronomy 26, verse 7, they're testifying to what God said and what God did. The Lord heard our voice and looked on our affliction and oppression. And verse 8 says, and the Lord brought us forth with a mighty hand and with signs and with wonders. Notice God didn't leave them in that affliction. God didn't leave them in their trouble. God didn't leave them in all that adversity. He heard their cry. He saw their affliction and he delivered them. And it says, he brought them forth with a mighty hand and with signs and with wonders. Hallelujah. Everybody shout signs and wonders. I sense in my spirit that's what's next on God's agenda. Through all of this that we've been through, we are headed for signs and wonders like we've never experienced before. Amen. Wouldn't it be a wonder if God restored all that's been stolen from you during this tough time we've been going through? Wouldn't that be a sign that our God's alive? Wouldn't that be a wonder well, it would make other people wonder, how did that happen? Well, if it makes other people wonder, and if it makes you wonder, that's a wonder. Amen. Amen. Signs and wonders. A mighty hand. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So I sense in my spirit, that's what's next on God's agenda. He doesn't just bring us out. He restores. God didn't just delivered Job. He restored everything that was taken from him and gave him twice as much. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. So hang on to that. That could very well be our next stop. Glory to God. When this is all settled, when this is all behind us, then praise God, it could be the next thing that you're going to experience is signs and wonders from God and the fulfillment of the prophetic word, supernatural increase beyond anything you've ever experienced before. Come on, give the Lord a shout and thank him for it. Praise God. Amen. It went on to say, 
and he hath, and this is from Deuteronomy chapter 9, and he hath brought us into this place and hath given us this land, even a land that floweth with milk and honey. Amen. That's what God did after the affliction, after the adversity, after the test and the trials. God not only brought them out, but he brought them in too. Somebody say, God's going to bring me out? And God's going to bring me in too. Say it again. God's going to bring me out? And God's going to bring me in too. Hallelujah. And it says, he brought them into a place a land that floweth with milk and honey. And milk and honey is symbolic of abundance and supernatural increase. Hallelujah. That's God's way. Now, I read from a commentary that a land of milk and honey generally is accepted as a metaphor for God's blessing of all good things and a place where there is no lack a place where there is plenty and abundance. And God said, I'm taking you to a land that flows with milk and honey. So once again, that is symbolic of a place where God's uh, blessing uh, of all good things, it's a place where there is no lack, a place where there is plenty and, and abundance. Amen. And that's where we're headed. That's God's pattern. He sees your affliction and he brings you out. It may not be overnight. It may not be in a week. It may not be in a month. But that's where perseverance comes in. Yes. Amen? You know, if, if, if it's just going to be real easy, then anybody could do it. Living by faith sometimes is not easy. Amen. If it was, then all Christians would be living by faith. But not all of them do. If it was easy, then nobody would ever quit. But some do. Sometimes it's very difficult to look yourself, look at yourself in a mirror and say, today, you are not going to be moved by what you see. You're not going to be moved by what you hear and you're not going to be moved by what you feel. I, said, I say that quite often. I mean, a lot. None of these things move me. I learned that from the Apostle Paul. None of these things move me. I got up the other morning and I don't, I don't know how this happens while you're sleeping. Weird things happen when you get older, when you're sleeping. I went to bed, went to sleep, got up the next morning, and this elbow, it was, it was inflamed. And it was, it was weird looking. It was way out here like this. And I could hardly bend, and just the sheet touching it hurt. It was like gout. You know anybody ever had gout? Well, if you hadn't, don't ever have it. Amen. Ooh, it's, it's painful. <laughs> and I couldn't move my elbow and just, just touching it against something was so painful. Now, I never said a word about it. Carolyn didn't even know. 
She didn't know until just now. See what you learn when you come to church? <laughs> it was painful. And I, I went about my business. I, I, you know, I've been working in the yard and so forth. And, and you know, while we've had this time off, I, we're getting a lot of things accomplished at the house. And, and I went on about my business. I did my work. And it was extremely painful. So I'm not saying that perseverance is easy. I'm not saying that being determined that you're not going to be moved by what you see and what you feel and what you hear is the easiest thing you'll ever attempt. No, it's not. But you can do it. But you got to set your mind to it. You got to set your heart to it. Amen. And then, you know, about three or four days later, I'm good. It's, it's still a little red around here. And it, I don't know how it got inflamed. You know, I don't know what I did. I don't know what I ate. Carolyn, did you hit me during the night? <laughs> I have no idea what I did that caused it. Amen. I wake up sometimes with bumps I didn't have the night before. <laughs> I wake up and say, what is this? Bumps all over my face or... It's crazy. <laughs> what are you laughing at? You're going to be there someday. <laughs> I, I don't understand it. How can you get it during the night when you're sound asleep? Did a little bump demon come in? He's asleep now. Let's put some bumps on him. You know? I'm 73. You're not supposed to have pimples at 73. <laughs> okay. Anyway, what I'm saying is, it's not always easy to not be moved by what you see. Particularly if you got to get up and shave in the morning, you think, where did that come from? But I'm not moved by what I see. You're handsome. You're good looking. You're youthful looking. Hallelujah. You got it, buddy. A land that flows with milk and honey. Maybe I'm drinking too much milk and honey. <laughs> Hallelujah. Okay, I'll get off of that for a while. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 6. You can't have fun in church. You ought to have, you ought not have any fun anywhere. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 6. Look at verse 11. And we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end. How long are you supposed to have assurance? To the end. That you be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Follow those 
Not anything wrong with having examples. I've had some great examples in my life of faith. Kenneth Copeland, Kenneth Hagan, Oral Roberts, T.L. Osborne, many others. I, I look to them as examples. I followed their faith, praise God, and followed their patience and their consistency and inherited the promises just like they were doing. But then notice in um, verse 15. And so, talking about Abraham, after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. After. Everybody say after. after. Oh, that little word after. <laughs> That's where the struggle is. After he had patiently endured, then he obtained the promises. Don't, don't ask questions to yourself. How much longer am I going to have to go through this? See, that, that doesn't inspire. That discourages. That distracts. That causes you to lose focus. If you're going to ask yourself anything, ask yourself this. How long are you willing to last? Are you determined to win? Do you want the promises of God fulfilled in your life? Ask yourself questions that will motivate you, not discourage you and talk you into quitting. Amen? You, you, I've said uh, many times to audiences all over the world, you need to become your own best cheerleader. Amen? Cheer yourself on. Encourage yourself. The Bible says David encouraged himself in the Lord. And you have to do that sometimes because you may not have anybody else around that can do it for you. So you have to encourage yourself. You have to cheer yourself on, praise God. Hallelujah, with the word of God. So notice, after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. The message translation says, Abraham stuck it out and got everything promised to him. I love that. He stuck it out. And he got everything that was promised to him. Everybody wants everything promised, but not everybody's willing to stick it out. Amen? I, I, I learned this through experience of, of things that Carol and I were believing God for in those early days, and, and we needed them desperately in order to fulfill what God had called us to do. You know, if you're going to be a traveling minister, you need a vehicle. And our vehicle was shot. I mean, it was worn out. I had bought that car when I was still doing paint and body work. It was a total wreck when I bought it. I rebuilt it. It was beautiful. You couldn't, you couldn't tell it was ever wrecked. But the engine and transmission was already, you know, shot. had over 100,000 miles on it. It's all I could afford at the time. But looking at it, you couldn't tell it had ever been wrecked. It was a O's luxury sedan. And luxury had left that car a long time ago. <laughs> that's what we drove over here when we went to work with Brother Copeland. And, and sometimes it'd start and sometimes it wouldn't. Transmission slip. <laughs> I took... Brother Copeland, he wanted me to take him to the airport one day, and it was cold. Man, it was a cold day. 
He wanted me to take him out to Oak Grove. He was just going to be away for one day and didn't need me to go with him. He said, come pick me up and take me to Oak Grove. So, man, I got up early. I went out there and started that car way before I had to be at Brother Copeland's because you never knew if it was going to start or not. In fact, that car did not respond to just put a key in the ignition and turn it. It only responded to about an hour of praying in tongues. Okay? I pray in tongues and start it, you know. And when I got to Brother Copeland's at the time, uh, he lived out on the south side of town. And when I got to his house, I left the engine running because I didn't want to take a chance it wouldn't start again. And I went in, got Brother Copeland, got his bag, put him in the car. He had on this nice suit and had his top coat on. I didn't even know what a top coat was back then. I just had, you know, what I had. And we got in the car. And we started driving to the airport. And when uh, we got to an intersection, Brother Copeland said, Jerry, turn the heater on. I said, Brother Copeland, it's on full blast. Don't be moved by what you feel. <laughs> I, I learned that from him, see? He said, the heater's on. I said, it's on. Why? Look, hi. He said, does the heater not work? I said, don't be moved by what you feel. We could see one another's breath as we were talking. It was so cold. And he, we're driving along there, and he's shivering over there. And all of a sudden, he took his hand and slapped the dash of that automobile and said, in the name of Jesus, Heater, I command you to work in the name of Jesus. He'd like to run us out of there. Man, it was, man, it got hot. We got to the next intercession. I said, Brother Cope, don't turn your faith off because we're going to turn left. The transmission slips. Traffic's coming your way. You better stay in faith. Because <laughs> this thing's liable to just die right out in the middle of the intersection. <laughs> right. Now, when you know you're called to travel, my lightning fast mind figured this out. We need a good car, <laughs> you know. And in the natural, there's no way for us to get a car because I'd made up my mind I wasn't going in debt anymore. I still believe in God to pay off the debts I already had. But God. Amen. It didn't happen overnight, but thank God it happened. Oh, I'll never forget that first faith car. Oh, what a joy. It wasn't a brand new one, but it was close to being new. Had some miles on it, but it was our first faith car. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. And we learned some things about perseverance. Learned some things about patience, about sticking it out. Oh, there were times, there were times I'd get up in the morning and I'd think, dear God, forget all this. I'm just going to borrow the money and get, to get a car. This is ridiculous. But I had to take authority over my thoughts. And, and just persevere, you know. We did that with the same way with our first airplane. You know, it didn't come overnight. In fact, when, when, when we needed it the most, in the natural, it looked like it'd never come. Because now I'm getting invitations to come all over the country, and there's no way you could get to all the places I accepted to preach in in a car. You can't be in Los Angeles one night and New York City the next and, and 
be at your best, you know. And now I'm accepting invitations all over the country. And it would be a good time for this airplane to manifest. But it didn't happen right away. But thank God we learned to persevere. Thank God we learned patience. Never changing, regardless of the circumstances. We did just like we saw Abraham. I'm following his faith. Amen. He stuck it out and got everything God had promised him. And that's what we've practiced all these years. For 51 years, we have stuck it out. Amen. And God has fulfilled everything he's promised to us. And whatever we're believing for right now, I have no doubt whatsoever that God's going to make it happen. It's just a matter of time. But hallelujah, when you know that you know that God is faithful and he's never let you down, then praise God we can have it. Hallelujah. God will never say it's over until you win. In Quitting is Not an Option, Jerry Savelle teaches what the Bible says about conquering the temptation to quit. In this encouraging four-CD series, you will learn how to stay focused in faith by being truly convinced God will keep His Word, being willing to wait by developing patience, and being in fellowship with God in His Word. You can receive victory in every area of your life. God is looking for a group of winners to rise up and show the world that He is greater. In the powerful book, Called to Battle, Destined to Win, Jerry shares how you can experience God's breakthrough power in your life. God will provide everything you need to pursue, overtake, and recover what has been lost. Are you ready to win? Call or go online to jerrysavelle.org and request the Born to Win package, including Quitting is Not an Option and Called to Battle, Destined to Win. Make the decision today to never give up, to never quit, and to watch what your persistence will produce. Thank you again for joining me today and don't forget the assignment. Just as soon as you get through watching this broadcast, you get up from where you are and you say out loud, God is not going to allow me to fail. And say it several times throughout the day. Say it every day. God is not going to allow me to fail. Amen. Let me remind you of our special product offer. Quitting is not an option. Four CDs. You need to listen to these. I'm telling you, they are inspiring they will build your faith, they'll build your confidence, and you'll get to the place in your life where quitting is no longer an option. And then called to battle, destined to win. We are called to battle. We have a warfare, and there it says in Ephesians chapter 6 that we're to put on the whole armor of God so that we can stand. That's what this book is all about. Stand against the wiles of the devil. We're not only called to battle, but we are destined to win. If you want these materials, go to jerrysavelle.org. We'll send them to you just as quick as we possibly can. And I believe you're going to be blessed and inspired in your faith. Join me again next week. And until then, remember, your faith 
will overcome the world.